Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A disturbing move by China. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Let's get through the news of the cray together. Why go at it alone? We're not alone today. Billy Hallowell joining me. Trey Gons Phillips still skiing, apparently. Uh, but uh, it's me and me and Billy today here just uh, shooting the breeze, caffeinated and contented. What's going on on this Friday, yeah. Billy? Trey, Trey is just too busy for us in this show. <laughs> what do we got coming up uh, for your focus story, Billy? Well, we are going to be talking about author Karen Kingsbury. Uh, we had a chance to sit down and talk with her about her story and her testimony, which is actually a mixture of yeah. um, comical and, and also amazing. Yeah, there's a great there's one story and I know you're going to get to it in particular, but I, I absolutely love it. So looking <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, hearing that an incredible turnaround really it's 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 one of those things where you're like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna prove you wrong and then god has something completely different in mind uh which i love those stories you can't get enough of those also uh john stolness on the main thing is looking at a story about china operating illicit police stations inside the u.s what in the world is going on with that well cbn's dale hurt has the story and john talked to him for today's main thing. So all that's coming up. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a tragic story, a 30-year-old Republican councilwoman was shot and killed outside her home in New Jersey. She was described by colleagues and friends as a woman of God. Eunice Dwumfor was an amazing friend, a woman who loved God, one of her colleagues said. And they added that they remembered saying to her, um, I'll see you at the HRC meeting tomorrow. And, it, and they didn't know that it was going to be the end of her life that night. And she was uh, just 30 years old and, quote, full of life. So definitely prayers for that tragic situation there. And newly elected Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to deliver the Republican response to President Biden's State of the Union address next Tuesday. She's the youngest governor in America, and according to Speaker Kevin McCarthy, she's fighting on behalf of parents, small businesses, and ordinary taxpayers. The National Prayer Breakfast was yesterday morning. President Biden was among those who spoke. You could check out his full remarks and the others who spoke as well over at CBNnews.com. And uh, Billy, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at all these stories here, and that 30-year-old Republican councilwoman, now, she's not a national name or anything like that, but I was moved by the fact when I saw this story that the first thing that people described her as was someone who loved God. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's tragic. Obviously, only 30 years old, all of that. But I just thought, man, that's powerful. Like, when it's your time to go and God calls you home, for your name to be associated in that way. I mean, that's as Christians, that should be our goal. No, absolutely. And there's so many disturbing details in the story, right? Yeah. Killed in her car outside of her home, yes. multiple gunshot wounds. And so there's all those details, but you're absolutely right. Every person who spoke about her, almost every single one from the Republican Party leaders in her state down to even the Democratic mayor. And I bring up the different parties because these are people who are on different sides of things, but yet we're friends. And they all spoke about her, you know, incredible. Christian faith. Her sister spoke about that. So 
it's it's been a consistent pattern with all those people and i agree that's that's what you would want people to say about you right yes indeed and uh, it's interesting because the national prayer breakfast happened yesterday morning and as i mentioned biden was among those who spoke and you know, obviously, you're going to have people who are critical of Joe Biden. I mean, that's that's the nature of the beast. When you're the president, you got half the country hates you, half the country loves you. And, you know, among the things he said during his speech was just talking about how we're going to we're going to debate these policies, but we at the end of the day need to get along. And I, I actually agree with that sentiment as 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 much as I probably disagree with Joe Biden on a lot of other things. I, it does seem like a lost art in America that we just have lost this ability to to ha- fight for the different policies and the things that we think are right in America, but then still see each other as human at the end of the day. And he probably contributes to that just as much as anybody else. So, yeah. um, but but the but the point still stands that we have lost that ability, and I think we need to get it back. Yeah, I think part of it really has to do with where your identity is, because when yeah. your identity is in politics, which is what's happening to so many people or in your feelings, um, it's it's a misplaced identity and everything becomes offensive to the point of, oh, you don't agree with me. You must hate me. And that's, you know, it happens on a lot of different sides, but we're seeing that a lot. Um, and, and it is nice for a president. Every president should be saying that what you want to see is for every president to live that out and how they govern. And that's where it gets a little tricky. Yeah. Right? Yeah, indeed. And um, I want to throw a little curveball in here, Billy, and just move on to a, a separate story that I had to mention today because my Twitter was a buzz when it never really is. I was kind of joking the other day about how no one pays attention to my Twitter, which is fine. I don't really tweet a lot. I don't care. But I made a comment under somebody else's tweet about this chat GBT thing, which is sort of this um, language learning model that's released by OpenAI. And it's gone viral. People are putting things in there. And it's it's essentially like a really fancy Google, basically. Like you put something in there and you can write, hey, write an article on Christian evangelism. And it'll just spit out an article. It won't just give you information. It actually writes it in the form of an article. Or you can say write a poem um, about, you know, Jesus or something. I don't know. Anything. And it'll just do it. Write some jokes and it'll do it. And people were complaining about the bias that they're seeing in it. You know, they'll put something on you know left and right, and then they'll note a bias in a particular example. And they were really worried about that. And I, my observation was, and I wanted to get your take on this, Billy, was that my concern is less about the bias and more about the fact that this is yet another tool and a big advancement in things that will create and make it easier for younger people not to learn how to think. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and, and, but I got, I got a lot of people agreed, but then there was a lot of pushback, which I found very interesting. I kind of didn't see that coming. What do you, what do you think about all yeah, this? No, the I'm, chat the, GBT. The, well, it's, it's all part of like the, the continued laziness and we're all guilty of this, right? Like we use, we use GPS, we use all these tools. I can't read a map to save my life. I have no interest <laughs> in a map. I'm going no. five seconds away. I'm going to use GPS. So, you know, I think, but this sort of tool, when it comes to reading and writing and being able to formulate thoughts and arguments, all the problems we were just talking about with not getting along with people and all of that, this just makes that problem so much worse, not being able to critically think. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I have, I actually think that's a really astute thing to be worried about. Obviously you have the bias issue and that's going to, that's going to matter with any of these tools. Right. Um, but but I think the biggest piece at the, at the end of the day is how much dumber does this make us as a people, actually? 
<laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, and like anything, because, you know, some of the jokes people were you know, putting in the comment was they said the same thing about the calculator. And while it's true to an extent, you know, there are things that make life easier and, you know, are simple things that you can so it saves you time. Right. You, you know how to do long division, but it's just easier to punch it in the calculator. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like it reaches a point where it, it's not the same. You know, it's because, yes, all of these things, the Internet, is the Internet good or bad? Well, it depends on how you use it. You can use it for a lot of good things. But then there's it just makes it easier to do all of the other things um, that, yeah. that 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 aside from learning, like writing. People talk often about how cursive is becoming something that less and less people do because they type and everything else. Well, there's just study after study about how important cursive is to your learning and to learning how to write well and to, you know, just engaging your brain and the problems that come when people don't learn cursive. I feel like this chat GBT thing is essentially the the cursive point on steroids, right? And may, I mean, yeah. maybe I'm overreacting to it, but it just certainly seems like it's going to be so abused. Well, yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the day, I, I've got a kid right now who's 10 years old and she's learning how to do research, right? And looking up information on topics. She's looking up, you know, the Mayans right now. What did they believe? That's something yeah. she had to look up. Okay, well, if, if you're going to just be given the answers to that, you've lost the skill of, of research. You've lost the skill of formulating your own thoughts, putting things into your own words. Obviously, there's plagiarism concerns, but beyond that, yeah, you know. Yeah, and checking sources, to your point. When I write something in chat, GB, like when I've tested it out and said, you know, do this, do that, they don't put any sources in there. You have no idea where they where they got this stuff from. So right. that's a massive yeah. concern because you you also have to be able to say, well, I got that information from this source and it kind of pulled from here. And I know I know what their bias is. And, and you, you just, you just take all that out. But, but you need to be able to connect information. And that's something yeah. like she, she's young. So I'm, I'm trying to teach her that like, hey, you're going to have three different sources. You have to pull that information. You have to puzzle it together. That is different from using a calculator. That That is a skill. You have to be able to piece information together in life, right? I mean, right. And, and come up with a position on something. So I actually think the dangers of it are way bigger than people might be willing to admit. Yeah, indeed. Well, I, you know, I'm glad we got that one off my chest because it's been bugging me. But but look, we're going to keep covering this thing because I, I think it's just going to keep developing. And, you know, AI is not going away anytime soon. But I mean, think about this, though. You combine all that stuff, the deep fakes we talked about with the videos. I mean, no one's going to know what's real or not. You know, is this, is this a person talking to me? Is this an AI bot? Is that a real video? I don't know. Everyone's just going to be confused as anything in. But, but you also have people saying things like is you know is reality really reality are we really here you know you're heavy i mean it's like we in the matrix in the world? yeah what in the world people please right yes i, I agree so <laughs> we'll keep on it um if you want to if you want to chime in on your thoughts on that feel free because i am interested it is it, we're it's it's a new frontier right we are you know blazing a trail on this we've never we've never had to navigate it before it's just something completely new so quick start podcast at cbn.org if you want to weigh in on that be interested to hear it all right we are gonna head into our focus story here for today and author Karen Kingsbury has spent decades inspiring people through her Christian novels but she wasn't always a believer Billy what's the story here 
Yeah, this is really interesting because here's a woman who has written tons of books, sold, I think, over 25 million. I don't even know if that's the most recent number, copies of her books. One of the biggest Christian authors, and yet she started out not as a believer. She grew up in a home where they didn't go to church, they didn't read the Bible. She had never opened a Bible um, and read it for herself. And so she grew up, and in her 20s, uh, she ends up meeting somebody who's a Christian, a guy she really likes. She's got a crush on him. Um, But up until that point in her life, again, not a believer whatsoever, which is hard to believe considering who she is right now. Yeah, no, and um, it's the reaction she got. Well, I'll just ask you, how did she react when... Um, you know, her boyfriend wanted to read her the Bible. Okay, yeah. So that's the detail I, I left out there. So so she meets this guy. She really likes him. They they go out on a date, but he says to her, you know, before the date, I really want to read the Bible. Can I bring my Bible and read it to you? And she's like, this is the weirdest thing she had ever heard, right? She's like, what kind of weirdo wants to read me the Bible? But she didn't want to mess it up because she thought he was cute and she liked him. Um, and so, so they go on this date and he reads her the Bible Um, and you know, she's thinking, okay, that's strange. Are we done now? Can we move on? But (laughs) they start dating over the course of three months and it doesn't stop. He's reading the Bible every single time, right? They're they're on a date. And, um, and so that starts to grate on her, um, over time. And what, (laughs) what I love about this, about this story is that they, they hit this sort of fever pitch moment where she is kind of fed up with the Bible and doesn't want to hear it anymore, right? And so she takes his Bible that he's highlighted. You know, this is like his precious Bible. Yeah. He's highlighted. He's got all of his notes in it. And she throws it on the ground during this <laughs> argument. And the binding of the Bible splits. Like the Bible breaks apart. And they have this moment where they just stare at each other. And he picks up his Bible and he drives off, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like there's just there's so much there, and you've got to you've got to read the full story as well over at uh, faithwire.com. You know, Billy has it all written up and uh, talked to her on the podcast as well, and it's it's um it's 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 a great story because you know it's a testament to him as a Christian who was willing to making sure he put that first, and she was kind of like, oh, it was getting exhausting <laughs> going well, and doing so- this every time, and she didn't want to do it anymore, but he he just kept pers- he kept persisting. Well, and from there, what I love about this is she's like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I want to prove to him that his worldview is not good, that I that her man-made worldview is better. So she goes to a bookstore, yeah. a Christian bookstore, buys a Bible, and starts to read it. And she's like, I'm going to find all of my stuff and, like, prove <laughs> it wrong. And then God speaks to her, and he's like, you've got a choice to make. And it was sort of this, like, earth-shattering moment for her where she made the choice, realizing, like, her way of living was wrong accepted Christ, married the guy, and, you know, they've been married for years, they've got kids, and she became a famous Christian author. So it's just a cool story. Yeah, I love that. I mean, she she had that defiant sort of attitude, and it's just one of those times where, you know, you just see when, you, you know, when God declares and decides to do something, like, you, you there's nothing you can do about it. He was going to open her eyes, and she's looking into this stuff, and she's like, oh, and, you know, God softens her heart towards him. And, and that's just phenomenal. I just love seeing stories like that. It's like you, you put your fist up, like, I'm going to show him. And it had to be God the whole time. Like, why else would she keep going to these dates, you know, where right. he's reading the Bible to her, right? When it's just annoying her. Um, and she said that's convict. She realizes now that was the Holy Spirit, like, yeah. already convicting her, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, it just... 
it just shows you what God can do with your life when you let him. Because here she is leading all these other people, inspiring them with these books and now movies and TV shows. She's got a series coming up on uh, Pure Flix called, I think, A Thousand Tomorrows, it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, it's just, it's, it's a pretty powerful story of, of, again, opening your heart, being used by God. Absolutely. And you can, again, check out that full story over at faithwire.com. Uh, also on the Prodigal Stories podcast with the Billy and Trey doing that podcast there. And um, you can check out that full conversation over there, all at faithwire.com. And that's going to lead us into our main thing for today in China. And just a shocking revelation, really. They're operating these illicit police stations here inside the U.S. What in the world is going on? Why are they still allowed to be here? Well, John Stolen has caught up with CBN's Dale Hurd, who was reporting on this story. That's today's main thing. So, Dale, I thought your story was fascinating, and I, I find it hard to believe that we can have in this country these pseudo-Chinese police stations in an office building or in the back of a restaurant in, in, in some of our, our major cities. For people who kind of want to get the, a picture in their minds of what we're talking about, what are these so-called police stations look like and how many of them do we think there are in this country yeah well the the uh, first question uh, they might look like a noodle shop or a uh, chinese american business association uh, front or just chinese characters in like chinatown um they're they're often um adjunct offices in as a part of something else, like a Chinese restaurant. They're a back room somewhere, so they don't have a shingle out front. Uh, This is a police station. Um, Yeah, and there are at least, uh, I would say, seven in the United States. I think there are far more. We just have not ID'd the exact number. What is their purpose? Uh, the Chinese say their purpose is to help uh, Chinese citizens here with things like um, visas or something or issues back home. Uh, their real purpose clearly is to control Chinese abroad, and they've been very effective at that. They use a number of techniques to intimidate and control the Chinese so, so the Chinese government is admitting that that these uh, so police stations here in America that they exist. They're just saying that they're for a different reason, or saying that there's something else. Right, and they're sometimes called aid stations. They might not use the term police, but they are staffed by officials, actually not from uh, the national government, but from provinces in China. Certain provinces, these uh, police officers are connected to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so if the, if the Chinese government is admitting that these, that these aid stations, and we know them as police stations are in America, is the FBI aware of these stations? I would assume that they are. And if so, (laughs) what are they doing about it? Exactly. Uh, that is a very good question, John, uh, because, (laughs) uh, the FBI, uh, has vast spying powers and undoubtedly knows who, all of the agents are. I have no doubt that that any of this is off their radar, and they are doing very little. Um, they 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 sound very concerned. Christopher Ray has said this cannot stand. He said things like that. 
and but uh, the raids have been uh, few and far between. I think I know of only one. Uh, mm. uh, when it, uh, the New York Post started talking about uh, a police station on Broadway in New York's Chinatown, uh, some months later, the FBI went in and seized some documents, but they didn't actually close it down. That station closed voluntarily because of all the publicity. So, yeah. And so, you know, my question didn't really delve into why, but the question is why they aren't doing more. Right. And, and uh, from your story, I was seeing uh, Director Ray even admitted as much in a, in a congressional hearing, did he not? Right. And yeah. when I when I talked to the FBI, they said those statements that he made last November will be the FBI's statement on the issue. And he mm. he, he was very hand wringing. You know, this is really terrible. And, and I'm like, uh, if it's so terrible, why is it still happening? And is, why is so little being done? Well, this may be a question you can't answer then. But why do you think it is U.S. law enforcement? isn't doing more to stop these so-called police stations from operating? Well, there are a number of potential reasons, and we don't know the real reason. Um, The best reason could be that this is a counterintelligence goldmine, and they're monitoring all of this and collecting all kinds of intelligence. But I don't know how much intelligence you can glean from Uh, these activities when it's essentially they're acting like mobsters, threatening people, uh, telling them they'll throw their uh, family back in in China into prison if they don't uh, return home and so forth. That's one reason. Another is just negligence. There has been this um, uh, habit among our elites of just sort of giving China a pass in a lot of ways. I just think it's negligence. They're they're too busy doing something else. And the White House has probably not made this a priority because they tend to do what the White House tells them to do. What kinds of tactics, and I, you touched on one just a second mm-hmm. ago, but what kinds of tactics are these Chinese government officials using to intimidate nationals who are living here in the U.S.? Yeah, and let me just go back too, because I maybe wasn't clear that their goal usually is to get people to go back to China, uh, especially pro-democracy troublemakers as they view them. So uh, to do that, they they have kidnapped people. Uh, we know that. Um, short of kidnapping, uh, they have tried to kill some also. Uh, short of that, uh, harassing phone calls. Um, I interviewed uh, pro-democracy activists who were who ha- had been swatted because the Chinese embassy told the police that they were a terrorist and had a bomb. Um, they'll at the protest, agents will come up and take everyone's pictures and tell them these are going back to Beijing and your family's going to go to jail. Um, one fellow told me he was getting at least a hundred calls a day from a Chinese agent. So these kinds of things. Last question then uh, for you here, Dale. This is only one part of China's campaign to spy on nationals living in other countries, isn't it? What else are what else have they been doing? Right. So yeah, because be- for a long time, which we've also known about, we've known about Operation Fox Hunt and Skynet, two things that China has been using uh, to quote unquote fight financial crime and uh, we should always be suspicious of China's motive because I don't think they really stand for law and order 
in the final analysis. And but uh, we have in the past, Interpol and other agencies have cooperated in ch- with China in uh, apprehending people that China said were financial criminals and sending them back to China. So there's this, and 200, we found out that 230,000 Chinese were, were uh, sent back to the mainland or went voluntarily uh, between 2021 and 2022. So it's been very successful. Some countries are actually cooperating with the police stations, a few countries around the wow. world, but very, very few have shut them down. And I guess, Dale, this speaks, this is just one aspect of U.S. uh, uh, China policy, um, where I I know China is this superpower. And I think I saw an Air Force general this week say that he believed we were going to be at war with China uh, within within the next couple of years. And um, I think it sounds as though the U.S. government is trying to do everything they can to avoid that prospect. And the FBI's reluctance to go harder on these on these Chinese police stations. Could that be a part of that overall reluctance to engage China more directly in a in a one on one type physical situation? That's a very interesting theory. Sometimes I think uh, this administration wants war with China. But yeah, I think in the bottom line, they don't want a war. And but playing footsie with a government like China, especially when they're showing such boldness in doing this, because they would never allow this on their own soil, and yet they think they can get away with this on our soil, we've got to be tougher with them. Well, it's a fascinating piece for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's on our website, cbnnews.com. So if you haven't seen it when it's aired on the 700 Club, make sure you check it out on our website again, cbnnews.com. And you can see the rest of Dale's outstanding work there as well. Dale, thank you for coming on the podcast this morning. I appreciate it. My pleasure, John. All right, John and Dale, thanks so much for that. Man, it's China... It's just such a bizarre country. They try to get their tentacles out everywhere, it seems. And, of course, we've reported on the Christian persecution that goes on there. They persecute Muslims as well. Really, anybody that seems to be a threat to the communist government there ends up becoming a target. So um, it's concerning when you see them doing things like TikTok and kind of trying to expand their reach out to other countries. Um, So this one was an eye-opener. appreciate you guys bringing that to us on the podcast here today but that leaves us with time for one last thing so we've got james 126 and this is another convicting one it's it reads those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless Mm. so basically if you don't control your mouth and you're walking around saying you're a faithful person your religion is worthless that's Oh, I'm feeling convicted now. I, I know, I know. Well, it's very today's world. It's just very easy to be. Everyone's got a microphone. Everyone has a platform that could at any moment be seen all around the world by millions of people, and so it's very difficult not to be opiniony, right? Like opinionated. Yeah. And yeah. um, and so even if you're right, I mean, it just seems like that it's it's like the Bible does warn several times. I mean, we're to be bold. We're to speak truth. But then there's also the counter to those, like this verse here in James 1.26, and you've got to be careful in how you do it. And it's this balance that we really need to pray for help from the Spirit as we try to navigate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if we don't, you know, we risk relationship, but apparently also our faith. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be, I mean, you do not want to be the Pharisees of the day, right? You just don't want to. 
I mean, that's just not a good look. I mean, we, Jesus was not uh, exactly kind to the Pharisees. He was pretty harsh on them. And um, so we don't want to be kind of leaning in that direction. So it's a good prayer for all of us going forward here uh, to ask for help from the Spirit on that front. So with that, uh, we will wrap up our week here. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll see you back here on Monday. <laughs>